Hi Spurs troops, if you're anything like me, disappointed troops, for sure, with the defeat last night after not only witnessing another home loss, but also the injury to Harry, that was bad enough for him to be subbed at halftime. We hear that it's both ankles, so await more news of his expected recovery time. It's obvious that any team in the country would feel such a loss of such a terrific player. Against what was, before last night, a struggling Liverpool, and you can't often say that. But obviously, by what we saw, they were like a wounded animal which was ready to fight its corner, as you'd expect of last year's champions. So chaps, Tom, Howard, welcome. Um, just as a reminder, Howard has been a supporter since the 60s. And Tom, a bit more recent than that, late 80s, stroke 90s. Um, any reaction from you chaps, you Spurs supporters, to last night's game and performance? I was very, very disappointed with last night's performance um, on so many fronts. Before, before kickoff, when I first got the team news, I thought, what on earth is he doing this for? Why, why have we got two left backs? One of them is actually a right back when he's playing left back. Why have we got, we've played every match this season with Hoybury uh, controlling the midfield and controlling things. And he's always been assisted by Sissoko or, or Winks. Last night, he goes different. So I find it very strange with the team selection. I also think that as the season goes along, in theory, the team should be better at the beginning and should improve as, they, as the season goes on if they're training right and trying new things and testing things out. And yet this season, the, the quality games, the games when we played really good and well and had good results, you know, at Old Trafford, at Southampton, home to City, we've played much, more, much differently to the way we played last night. And clearly we've gone backwards from where we were early in the season. Yeah, you don't see the improvement, Howard, as the no. as the weeks and months are going on. No, quite the reverse. Yeah. Tom, how about you? Same, really. I think um, it was a very frustrating game to watch. If uh, if Son's goal had, had counted at the beginning, we might have been talking about a completely different game. Who knows? Um, but it's... Uh, yeah, Jose does play games of fine margins. Uh, Son's disallowed goal meant that we took a, 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 a pretty negative response. Yeah, we, we didn't react well to that. We, uh, we didn't look like we had much presence in the midfield, whether that was because of the, uh, the formation with five, yeah, playing a back five, just left, left our midfield looking overrun most of the time. And, uh, and as Howard says, uh, playing Hoiberg without Sissoko or Winks, he just, he looked like he was fighting a bit of a lone battle in there. Um, Kane's injury is really disappointing as well it seems to be a kind of seasonal thing now where uh, we're playing a big game and he uh, he hobbles off uh let's hope it's not for too long um but yeah really disappointing uh we never really looked like scoring again after Hoybier's brilliant goal Hoybier's goal was was really based on I thought a fine performance 
And I see what you're saying about being outnumbered in midfield. So it looked like he had too much work to do. I think he's more than capable of it, but I'm wondering about his legs, how long his legs are going to last covering that amount of ground. And, you know, when you, I'm sh I don't look at stats actually, but I'm sure if you looked at his stats, he's, he's safe on the ball, he's good on the ball, makes good choices, can win it back, cover the distance. When he gets out of position, he gets back to his position very well. So... It, it, as, as we've all said, it's, it was disappointing. It was really bad timing to concede just before half time, wasn't it? Um, which probably had to change the manager's whole half time talk uh, and plan for the second half. So he ended up changing two players, Harry for obvious reasons, and Aurier as yet to be explained. And just after half time, we conceded a second goal, which made the changes he made almost obsolete. Um, and it made our task twice as difficult against the champions. And, and you know, they're champions for a reason. So they're not idiots. They've, they've had a, a huge uh, dent in their pride lately, as per being dry January, as people were putting it who just gained renewed confidence with every move, uh, be it in attack or defence, especially with Harry, they're not, not there to threaten them. So I think the first goal needs some explaining. And this, of course, is just my opinion. Um, so the spare ball between one of your defenders and the goalkeeper. And this happens at crucial times. Of course, there's more calls than just the two I'm going to speak about. There's time when you tell your defender he's got the ball and not to panic, you've got time, keep it, etc. Stand up, um, stay on your feet. But then there's the crucial bit. Um, as I say, the, the crucial situation with the spare ball, the ball that's played in between a def your defender and the goalkeeper. I personally think there's two calls the goalkeeper should give. And the goalkeeper is the main, the most important man, is the leader of the situation. Why is that? It's because his backward position gives him the best view it gives him what I say is the biggest eyes and therefore gives him the biggest voice. And remember, this is a spare ball between the Spurs defender and the goalkeeper. So back to the two calls. The goalkeeper has a choice of two calls to make, in my opinion. Away, which means you have to deal with it. Or keepers which means I'm going to deal with it. So that happened close to half time. The goal is what it was, and we're all disappointed. When you go in at half time, the manager asked the question, again, my opinion, what was the goalkeeper, what was his call? The manager should check that. What did you say 
what did he say? You're asking the defender and you're asking the goalkeeper. Both in relation to the goalkeeper. And if the answer is, I didn't say anything, or the defender agrees that he didn't say anything, then it's 100% the goalkeeper's fault. If it's agreed that the keeper called away, then it's the defender's fault because he didn't react to the call. After all, it's a warning by and from the biggest eyes and voice in this dangerous moment. So have you understood what I'm saying, chaps? Absolutely. Ball comes 100%. in between two players. It's a spare ball. One of you's got to deal with it. The leader of it is the voice at the back with the biggest view, the goalkeeper. He calls keepers, and he's the only one that can call keepers. I had a big row with Mickey Hazard one day in training at Chesant when he called keepers from a midfield position. I said, Mickey, what's that got to do with you? That's only the keeper's call. So he calls keepers, I'm going to deal with it, or away. You don't have time to say any more than that. I'm the keeper, I'm saying it's mine, or if you can defend it, clear it. No, away or keepers. And that's what you check as a manager after. It's not going to stop the goal going, well, it will in future. It will stop goals going in in a similar fashion, but it won't change the scoreline at that moment. But I think it's best if there's two players and one knows it's more down to him than anyone else. Someone take responsibility. Did you give a call and did you react to the call? And if there's no call, why not? Take responsibility for that situation. So, you know, we're not talking about schoolboys. We're not talking about non-leaguers. We're talking about people that train together, practice together. And, um, you know, we've got a, a World Cup winning captain as goalkeeper and uh, a, an international centre-back. And between the two, they should have sorted that out, in my opinion. If you enjoy this podcast, um, please give a rating and review on iTunes as it really helps this podcast reach more Spurs fans. And that can only be a good thing. Thank you very much. So I'm now going to speak about Brighton. Obviously, in the history, we haven't played that many times. Um, and we've already spoken about them once, of course. So... I'm really going to talk about the Brighton team, which I watch very occasionally, sometimes only on highlights. And yet I'm very impressed with what I see from Brighton. I don't like the fact that um, the club uh, sacked Chrissy Hewton. And part of that was I've never heard of his replacement. But actually, I'm extremely impressed with Graham Potter. I do have a link. I went training one day and at Chesant because of traffic around the North Circular. I either got to training very early or late according to the traffic problems. I turned up this day early and this Swedish guy is there and he's early waiting for the training to start. Got talking to him, Anders Tagesson. Nice guy. 
eventually the training finished and I knew how difficult it was to get from Chesant back to the the system, the underground that you needed to get back to London, which is where he was staying. So I offered him a lift. I said, I'm going back by the North Circular. The worst way is I can get you to Hangar Lane. Then you're straight into London from there, but probably be able to drop you off before that. Anyway, it gave us time to talk. In later years, this led to our club going up to Ostersund uh, to play some pre-season games as Keith Birkinshaw used to do, Scandinavia, no further, good air, good food. And we had a good, a good uh, reaction there. And in some years later, with Anders Tagerson, we started up a one-man band of Steve Perryman Travel. So there was a, a Steve Perryman shop within Ostersund. All of a sudden, I'm reading about this English manager that's gone to Osterson, who were in like the fourth tier. And at that time, I'm attached to Exeter and we're playing people like the Nike Academy. And these are all safety net academies for players that young players that were going to be somebody, but then ended up not for whatever reason and end up at somewhere like a Nike Academy. And they're playing against our reserves to give us an extra game. But it's a chance for us to look at these talents that haven't quite done it. And being at Exeter where we never had enough money and we had enough, never had enough places to fill, we would see, I saw over the course of a couple of years, I saw a left winger and a right winger and um, decided for whatever reason we couldn't sign them. I'm then reading about this Osterson team with this English manager that's progressing through the divisions and they take these two wingers and then after about a year, the two wingers go to Malmo and another team I can't name for over a million pound. So I'm thinking we've made a mistake there, not signing those players, but how can you sign them if you haven't got enough money? So what I'm saying is that this... Graham Potter was this English guy who had a, a very, very limited English professional playing career at Southampton. I think he played about 10 games, Birmingham and Stoke, but it didn't create any waves in, in his career. He's gone abroad. Well done him. He's then lifted this team up through the divisions, four to three to two to one into Europe. They won their FA Cup and ended up beating a lot of good teams in Europe and only eventually going out to Wenger's Arsenal. They lost the home leg and they won at Arsenal. So this lad is then being lined up uh, for a better job than Ostersund. Ostersund is not a big city. It's right up north of Sweden and um, mountainous and not a football place that you, as you would imagine. So he's used that place to sort of promote himself and get himself on. And he gets the job eventually at Brighton. And I think that Brighton are making players there. And I've seen some over the last couple of months, people like Webster, a centre-back, who I think they signed from Bristol, looks to me like a good footballing centre-back. A little lad at the front called Connolly, um, I know a bit more about him because of playing against our, you know, teams that I've been involved with. A little lad from Ireland that can score goals. 
And I don't know if any of you have seen this Bosumu in midfield, who they got from Lille. And um, this Graham Potter bought with him two or three of his staff from Sweden into Brighton. And it's obvious to me that they're signing good players. Now, you can have as many good players as you want. If you're not getting results, you're going to be in relegation trouble. And, and that's what they are. So I'm not overplaying this. But I think they recruit the right players. They find the right players. And they've got some talent within their team. So we've done this a bit around different ways today. I've spoke my bit about uh, Brighton. Um, from my history, Brian Horton was always a tough, tough competitor. A real, real, could be hard man, could be nasty uh, in midfield there. Um, Neil Smiley and Graham Pierce, I was attached to through Brentford Football Club and were good servants to our, our club for sure. So um, what I'm saying is that Brighton will not be any easy game. Of course, our, our pride has been dented and our confidence. But uh, of course, it's also a good chance for us to, to get back on the ro uh, winning road. So, Howard, what are you going to talk to us about, please? Um, I'm going to talk about superstitions. Um, and by that, I mean either superstition type one, which is not, not inviting people back if Spurs lose when they come to a match. <laughs> And number two, which are what my children call mad urges, which is when they're tempted to do something in, it, in the head, they say, if they don't do it, Spurs will lose or whatever other disaster might befall. We've all had that feeling, Howard. Exactly. So I, plenty of fans and certainly a lot of the players I know have superstitions. You'd be quite shocked at how crazy they can be. For me, they come into the two categories I've described, person coming to see the game and not being allowed back. And... That person cannot be bought again, well, unless they're very pretty. <laughs> One match comes to mind, how much it all means to me and how non-believers react. I go back to 28th of December, 1982. We played Brighton at home on this date. By this time, we were well established in the Centenary Club in the West Stand. We had two tickets in the front row and two more in the regular seats down below at pitch level. Sometimes two of these seats might not be used, so we'd invite others to the matches, often asking friends who had never been to games before and whose understanding of football was very limited. We would all have a meal together before the game in the Centenary Club. One day we invited two old friends, Tony and Marilyn, who had absolutely no idea of what the game was about. During lunch in the Centenary Club at the table next to us was Bobby Robson, then manager of England. At some point, Tony looked up at Bobby as he glanced at our way and their eyes met, so Tony smiled. The next time Robson looked up, again he met Tony's eyes, and so this time Tony got up, went over to him and said, sorry, but do I know you? <laughs> I bet Bobby Robson was not impressed. <laughs> not impressed. They never spoke to me again. There you go. <laughs> and um, so that, that's option one of the not bringing people again. Option two is um, urges. Urges. Now, this is another one of the school of the coming, somebody coming who had never been before. Viv had a very old school friend who she has kept in touch with. Melissa and her husband, Keith, lived in Cambridge, where Keith was a very intellectual professor. Neither of them had any concept of the game, but as they're going to be in London that weekend and we had the use of the two spare tickets, we invited them. 
They, they clearly had no wish to be there and were not taken by the atmosphere within the Centenary Club, let alone the stadium and the opulence. We struggled through lunch and took our seats. I sat next to Melissa. Spurs were playing well and went 2-0 up. West Brom scored and she, sh she shouted and stood up for them. I pulled her down and asked what she was doing. She said it was so obvious Spurs were the better team, so I gave the opposition a cheer to try and encourage them. <laughs> we lost 3-2. <laughs> Needless to explain to any readers of this podcast, these people have never been invited back. Of course not. Good link there, Howard, with Brighton on your first story. Well done. There you go. Well done. <laughs> So thanks for listening. I've had a busy week. Um, just before this podcast, um, I was helping Graham Roberts and Mickey Hazard on a Spursogram, a new business they've started. I was speaking to Mark, who's a 50-year-old, 57-year-old birthday, um, involves a visit and a signed shirt, etc. that obviously can't be done now because of lockdown and travel restrictions and all the stuff but it was good fun to do i think mark and his family in enjoyed it and and so did i um howard coming back to your superstitions i i would say that other than being a 17 year old steve perriman in the team mm. who wanted to wear the same tie the same shirt because we won the week before i mean it's so naive it's untrue but but that's the way it was. But that soon goes because you realise it's about how you prepare yourself, what your mental state is, what your talent is or not, sure. how good the opponent's going to be. But the one time I will say this hurt, we turn up at Wembley, 81 final against Man City. You open up the programme and Steve Perriman's at number five and Ricky Villa is at number six. No, that's not possible. Anyway, so we think, well, we won't change it because that means people are going to have to put a cross through both our names and switch them around and all that stuff on their match program. So why, why do it? It doesn't really matter. Uh, I think both of us played poorly that day and therefore there was no way that we were going to allow that to happen second game so i've held an inquiry into how this happened who made the mistake in the first game and therefore it was put right in the second and we all know the outcome of that game and i think that me chasing this down our numbered shirts helped ricky scored the magnificent fantastic goal that he did so um, whether that means I'm superstitious or not, I'm not quite sure, but it's me standing up for what's right. I can remember that, that event at Wembley because the loudspeaker announcement was written the team numbers and I could see you and Ricky looking at each other going, what's going on? Why? Why? Why no. upset a good thing? We've got to the final with we, me wearing number six and Ricky wearing number five, for Christ's sake. Is that not easy to understand? Anyway... Someone in an office probably made a, or the printers or somewhere made a mistake. So, yeah, had a busy week. Um, helped Mickey and, and uh, Robbo with their new business. Um, I'm still guarding the settee and looking after the settee in my new home. Unfortunately, this old favourite settee is now going to be re-upholstered. It's been a rain, so I don't know what I'm going to do while this is being done and out of our house, but I'll have to find something else to do. So I was asked to give a motivate and 
motivation message to Exmouth Community School, one of the biggest schools in the country, as per numbers. So I was delighted to do that. And um, yeah, we've this week has flown. I think it's because there's three Spurs games within a week and there's a, a bit of preparation going on behind the scenes, but at least it gives us something to do. So I do thank you for listening. I thank you for your support of both this podcast and the famous Tottenham Hotspur, the mighty Spurs. And um, I had some great reaction to the the way last week's podcast the, of the way that players should judge their own performance. So I'm delighted that, um, you know, this is not all lighthearted. There are some messages there. Hopefully I've explained the situation between the goalkeeper and the last defender on the spare ball and how it has to be dealt with. So, um, so yeah, in football terms, we need to get serious at times. And thankfully, the next is the word that I use most in this weird, wonderful game of football, next. If you do something great, guess what? Next. If you do something terrible and make a mistake, it's next. Lose a game, it's next. If you win, score two goals against AC Milan, if I rest on my laurels, guess what? If next I'm not right and thinking right and acting right, I'm going to be out of the team. Rightly so. So uh, let's think about the next. Let's go and be bright and, and um, all have a better week next week. Thank you for listening. Up the Spurs. Okay, one thing I forgot. Uh, Terry, a friend of ours, very good friend of Howard, good friend of mine, 68 years of age. Happy birthday, Terry. Happy birthday. Up the Spurs. <laughs>